Hi, and welcome to PCTY Talks. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson. During our time together, we'll stay close to the news and info you need to succeed as an HR pro. And together, we'll explore topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, and real life HR situations we face every day. On the podcast today with me, I have Anne Bono, an accidental marketer, corporate executive, multi-potentialite with a smart mouth and a willingness to shout what most will only quietly think. Anne, thank you so much for joining me. Oh my God. Thank you, Sherry, so much for having me. I am so stoked to be talking to you today. I have a feeling you're going to ask me some questions that I'm going to be only too happy to share the, the, the behind the scenes on. So I'm very excited to be here. Well, so it was pretty unique how I came across your content and your work and what you're doing. Um, I'm always looking for, you know, amazing thought provoking guests to have on the podcast here. And I came across you on TikTok of all places. And I knew that your story and where you're at right now and what you're doing was something that those in my world really needed to hear. So if you're listening, this might sound like a really weird question to start out with my guest, but we're going to start right here. Tell me about getting fired. <laughs> you know, I am so glad to tell you the story of how I got fired. Um, and to those folks listening, I do encourage you to go onto TikTok and, and watch the story, watch the videos where I detail the story of how I got fired. If nothing else to read the comments, um, it was an incredible, it's an incredibly polarizing story. And I never thought that it would be so. I basically just said, let me tell the story because it's the genesis of how I ended up doing a lot of the work that I'm doing now. And it took off. And at this point, I think at last count, it had something close to 700,000 views. Wow. It's crazy. It's crazy. And thousands and thousands of likes and comments and shares. Um, so it's interesting. So I'll tell you the story of how I got fired. So I had been with this company for less than a year. And the, the circumstances on behind which I wasn't really pleased with the job and it just wasn't, it just wasn't really fulfilling me. I didn't feel good about it. So I was actually actively looking for another role, which makes this even more amusing. Uh, but the job itself isn't so much the point as is how I got actually fired. So it was a Friday. It, it was a Friday, just like any other Friday. You wake up, you think to yourself, oh man, I have a meeting with my boss at 11 a.m. to discuss the bonuses for my team, which he told me he doesn't want to pay. So I'm definitely prepared for this meeting. I, As I say in my TikTok, which a lot of people take, people either find this very funny or very offensive. I go, you know, I got so ready for that meeting. I took a shower. I put on makeup. I put on pants. I put on actual pants for this Zoom meeting, even though nobody could see me from the waist down. I was prepared. I, I may have even had shoes on, Sherry. That's how prepared I was for this Zoom meeting. And I was so prepared for that Zoom meeting because in my mind, if somebody asks you on a Thursday to set up a meeting to talk about your team's bonuses on a Friday, after you have submitted it and they're saying, I don't want to pay these bonuses. I don't think they earned them. That's not really a conversation about bonuses. That is probably a conversation about keeping people's jobs because that's a very, it's a very aggressive thing to say, right? It's like, I don't want to pay their bonuses. Let's talk about it. So I was prepared. I was extremely prepared to talk about these folks' bonuses, but really I had notes on how to, all the things that they'd done because I wanted to keep their jobs because they were a good team. So I roll into this meeting and it's me. I'm wearing pants. I'm wearing makeup. I am freshly showered. I may even have deodorant on. I am ready. Nobody can smell me or see me from the waist down, but I am smelling like roses and I am fully clothed. This is a good meeting. And I am absolutely prepared to talk about it. And in comes in, my boss, the CEO of the company to this meeting. And I'm prepared and he asks me, um, and I joke in the TikTok, I said, we'll call him Chad. 
We'll call him Chad. So, so I'm like, hello, Chad. Good morning. How are you? And he goes, hello, Anne. How are you? I said, I'm doing great. I'm really looking forward to speaking with you and getting to a point of clarity about this. And as I am starting to talk about my points and as I'm starting to go into my, my rebuttal for how these folks should get their bonuses, somebody else enters the Zoom meeting. And this is a podcast for HR professionals. And I'll give you one guess, one guess, Sherry, as to who came into this meeting. Hey, was it us? Did we come to attend the meeting? Oh, my sweet baby Jabez, it sure was. So in comes HR. And for the sake of anonymity, we'll call her Karen. So I'm in this meeting and it's me, it's Chad, it's Karen. And I have been, I mean, I've been in the corporate world now for almost 20 years, which, oh my God, I have been in the corporate world for almost 20 years. So I am well aware of what it means when you're in a meeting under a certain set of, of, of assumptions and then HR rolls in. It is not a meeting to give you a bonus. It is not a meeting to give you a raise or a promotion. I was in fact getting canned and I was getting canned in the most unceremonious way possible. So I was, I was actually, but the thing of it is, as soon as I realized what it was, I kind of fully relaxed <laughs> because I knew I was like, okay, my job at this company today is now over. In a way I felt almost relieved because I had already been actively, I had been unhappy at my role, full disclosure. I had been unhappy at my role, loved my team, loved the people I work with. I did not like the leadership. The leadership I felt was not acting in my best interest. And I was ready to look for another job. In fact, I was in multiple interview processes for other roles. So it was very interesting that the universe was like, oh, you don't need to wait to leave. I will give you a gift, Anne. I will give you a gift. And the universe did in fact give me a gift. But what it also gave me was a severely rude wake-up call on the absolute and just, just bananas nature of how people can actually get fired. Because Sherry, I had had exactly zero indication that my performance was lacking. Now, my boss, the CEO, had been vocal around some of the areas of the business that I oversaw, that he was displeased with how marketing was working, that there were some things to fix in customer success, that sales was okay, but really needed to sell more. So yes, all of that. And I was actively working on that. In fact, I was actively working on that with him, but my performance had never been called into question. In fact, just the previous day in a group meeting, I had, I had been praised for how I was resolving something. So I had no idea that this was happening. I, so I was fired summarily. He read a script. He had a script which was one of my favorite parts probably of the story, because as soon as he started talking, I saw his eyes moving from left to right. And I'm like, oh, you wrote a thing. You wrote me a card. Let's go. And so he, he reads his thing. Karen says nothing. At the end of it, uh, he goes, do you have any questions? And I honestly did not. I had no questions because I knew what this was. I didn't want to keep my job. I knew that my job wasn't mine to keep anyway. I was gone. All I asked him was, so are you going to fire anybody else? Um, and he said, I can't tell you that. And I said, okay, then I don't have any other questions. And so then Karen goes, well, I'll send you your unemployment information via email. And I said, thank you. And then he goes, okay, if you have no other questions, have a nice day. And then he ends the Zoom, Sherry, just boop, have a nice day, boop, closes the Zoom. And I was, and immediately, all, my, all of my tech shuts off because it's all of a sudden it's like, bloop, and he had somebody waiting in the wings, bloop, just. And I've had some time to reflect upon this particular 37 seconds of my life when I got a script and my unemployment information and everything just, and have a nice day. And what I have come to realize is, well, first of all, what a horrible way to treat somebody. That's, that's honestly where I landed. I'm like, this is 
after a brief moment of self-reflection where I laugh maniacally um, and then consider drinking some wine at 1130 in the morning, I kind of sat down and go, and after I was like, how am I going to pay my bills? Because I was not expecting this today. I kind of really came to the realization that number one, if this can happen to me, because I was a VP, right? If this can happen to me and I technically have quote unquote seniority and a certain level of quote unquote power and a certain level of quote unquote respectability within the organization, holy bananas, Batman, how is this being handled with folks with less perceived power, with less perceived seniority, with less perceived responsibility? And it made me so angry, to be completely honest, because if there is one thing that I am super passionate about, and I promise I'll let you talk in a minute, Sherry, I'm just going off on this. But one of the things that I realized and have become extremely passionate about is that no one should ever be surprised or getting fired. No one. It may, it may be in a layoff situation, although even then there are ways to do it humanely. Look at how Peloton did it and then look at how Better did it. Peloton did it humanely. Better. Oh, the irony of that company name is not lost on anyone. But the thing of it is, is nobody should ever be surprised they're getting fired. No one should ever be called into a meeting under false pretenses, have no background whatsoever to assume that their performance is lacking, and then be summarily terminated without notice, without cause, without severance. And I know that severance isn't mandatory, but without severance... I was just in shock. And that is ultimately the crux of what kind of motivated me to really take a look at the entirety of corporate America and, and say, holy, just what are we doing here? How are we dehumanizing people to such an extent that a behavior like that, that a meeting I had is not just seen as okay. But when I shared this on TikTok, people were like, what are you complaining about? That's just the way it is. The overwhelming majority of comments are telling me that I'm overreacting. And oh my goodness gracious, how is it that we have been indoctrinated from a corporate perspective to this point that we think that that's okay? That we are actually defending this kind of behavior because we have been affected by corporate trauma to the degree that we think it's okay. And so, yes, I am assuming that how you found me was through my firing story, Sherry. And so now we have shared it and I will let you speak now. Thank you for letting, thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> you know, uh, I think why it resonated with me so much is early in my career, I was let go from a position um, different than your story, but didn't see it coming. Great performance reviews, no indication that, you know, anything was going to happen. And for me, what happened was my tech actually started to lock up before I was <laughs> heading into a meeting, a meeting that was some random named meeting, you know, unbeknownst to me that it was going to be a conversation about um, letting me go. And I was like, this is weird. I was like in the middle of working on something, <laughs> needed to get out the door. And I was like, what is going on? Um, and I just, I think that there are so many times that, that we kind of go down this road that, you know, termination in itself has to be this very jarring activity. And, and I've talked about this before, but I, I really genuinely believe that your exit experience from an organization should be as good as your intro into an organization. And I, I genuinely believe that's possible. Now, now I'm not talking about um, gross misconduct. There are some scenarios where you have to be uh, precision and swift and circumstances that happen. So I'm not really talking about that. I, I am talking about, though, situations like you or me where 
no indication that there was performance. It's not a riff, right? So it's not, there's not a layoff happening. There's not reduction in force. You know, this is just, just poor management is what it comes down to. Because like you said, you shouldn't be surprised. You know, if, if you're doing it right, if you're managing it right, you're having coaching conversations and, and they're just genuine. Like, you know, Hey, and I, these are the things I'm seeing and I know you're working hard, but I'm just, we're not making progress. We're not getting where I want to go as, you know, as the CEO of this company. Um, and so I think about where we're at now, right? We're navigating this virtual world and man, on your TikTok, when you said that he said, have a, have a good day at the end, I was like, what, why would you Who? say that? Who does that? The level of psychological disconnect from what you are doing and and wh- how you are doing it is so extreme. It's such cognitive dissonance, right? And to your point, I wish I wish that folks, this is where I'm like, I wish that podcasts could be televised because as you were speaking, I was nodding along like a bobblehead. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Because to me, to your point, absolutely. G- gross misconduct or violence or danger in the workplace. No, no, there, there's no warning there, right? Like, no, you handle it and you handle it swiftly. Layoffs, I feel can be done very humanely, but in many cases, cannot be advised ahead of time, right? It's something where you just can't do it. And and of course, there are some legalities in place where you sometimes simply cannot bring people into the fold. I get all of those extenuating circumstances. But to your point, so much, and, and and I'll give some context around what else I do. So not only am I somehow still in the corporate world, although I'm in a much, much, much better and much more inviting and psychologically safe environment now. Um, but I also do leadership coaching. And one of the things that I talk about is ex- with my with my clients and with the world at large, if you follow my TikTok or see me on LinkedIn, that's what I do. But one of the things that I talk about most often is the fact that as leaders, to your very salient and smart point, as leaders, we are coaches. And as coaches, our biggest responsibility is feedback and growth. And part of that feedback and growth is having the occasional uncomfortable conversations where you are telling someone, we are not meeting our goals, or I am seeing professional outcomes here that are not the kind that we are looking for. And to also, much like when we have kids, because so much of leadership is actually the same way that we would be good parents, right? Which is, if you do not fix this thing, or if you do not increase things, these are the potential consequences of these things. And I know it's uncomfortable, Nobody likes having these conversations. Nobody likes saying, if you don't do your job better, we're going to have to discuss an alternative option. We're going to have to discuss separation. We're going to have to discuss exit. That is not a a comfortable conversation to have, but it is a necessary conversation to have. And when you don't do that, to your point, it is poor management. It is poor leadership. It is a lack of contextualized transparency. And ultimately, it is a lack of humanity because what you are doing when you fire somebody without warning cause, and there's no real extenuating circumstances around that, you are essentially upending their entire life because they might be the only breadwinner in that organization, uh, in that, in their family. They might be the only person with health insurance. They might be the person who holds all of that together. And you have now pulled the rug out from under them and they had no idea. This is not just Chad rolling up into a, into a zoom and saying, have a nice day. This is Chad potentially rolling into a zoom sweeping the rug out from under my feet, taking away the income that I was expecting for my family, taking away the health insurance. And I had no idea. And then saying, have a nice day. The dominoes are extreme. And it's just wild to me. And and let me say this also, 
I am not blind to the fact I actually have some of my most just admired people that I've actually worked with have been HR professionals. In fact, just recently I had a conversation with Katie Strickland, who I worked with at one of my other companies on LinkedIn live, where we talked about human centric company exits. And she is wonderful. She is, she worries about the people. She, I am not blind to the fact that y'all, your jobs are hard. They're probably some of the hardest and most gut-wrenching in the, in an entire company. I, because I have fired people. I have had to fire people. And when I have fired people, there have been occasions where I have crawled under my desk and cried just to release the emotion, just to release the emotion. And y'all do this kind of stuff every freaking day. So I am not blind to the fact that this is hard stuff, but just because something is hard, it doesn't mean it should be detrimental and a domino effect to everybody else. It just shouldn't. It's interesting. You know, as you were telling the story, I've also been in this scenario where, um, a manager is about to execute something and you don't know it's coming. And they say, Hey, can you jump on this call? As an HR professional, it is the most, um, difficult thing to, to be a part of because you aren't prepared for it. You don't have your talking points, you know, and in the moment, and maybe, maybe you should, I, I don't know. I haven't, but I haven't stopped a manager mid conversation and be like, Hey, you're doing it wrong. Right. Like so often we have to navigate these things. And so I think it's important to have these types of conversations and for our listeners to hear these stories, because there are tons of stories like this and maybe not as dramatic, but there are tons yeah. of stories where I didn't see it coming because my performance was good until it happened. So as you've gone through, you know, your leadership coaching and you're helping people, what are some of the things that you're really pushing them to think about differently when it comes to having performance conversations and addressing performance issues? Absolutely. I, I love that question so much because it actually, I always get in trouble when I say these things. It's, it's actually relatively easy to do these things. And I can hear everybody going, yeah, right. You've clearly never had a conversation. Yes, I have. I have actually had a lot of these conversations. And I know, I know that from an emotional standpoint, they aren't easy, but having the plan and having the activities to ex execute are actually easy. So, I mean, first and foremost, have a development plan with your folks and have expectations of what the role it needs to deliver. That is baseline. So when somebody new enters your team or when you take over a new team, one of the first things you should do once you've gotten your feet wet and you figure out what your own role is, is meet with those folks and say, okay, what is your exact area of purview? What are you responsible for? What are the metrics that you're responsible for? And how are you hitting them right now? How are we performing? Like really measure up against all of those. And then ask about goals and expectations. Ask about all of those. Set that baseline. Like that is step one. And then if and then have one-on-ones to actually check on these. Now, there's two types of one-on-ones. One of them is the performance one-on-one -on -one where you're just basically touching base on these are my th these are your actions, how are you doing with them? These are your tasks, how are you performing? How, you know, everything else. But also, have the one-on-ones where it's essentially building trust and rapport. It may seem counterintuitive to make sure that you have these so that you can deliver bad information, bad or bad feedback later if it's necessary. However, what you're actually doing there is building a culture of trust and transparency where you can feel comfortable to have these conversations of, hey, listen, I've been noticing that for the past three weeks, you have been missing deadlines consistently. What's going on? 
because I don't want to roll in there and fire you after three weeks because I think that you have lost all your mojo. I might actually roll into that meeting and point this out. And you might say, yeah, my kid has been sick. They got diagnosed with XYZ and I just haven't been able to focus. And then that conversation becomes not one of your performance sucks, teammate. It becomes a, oh my God, how can we best support during this so that you could take care of your family, potentially go back to your previous, not productivity, but go back to a to having be able to do your job in a way that you can't accommodate. And how can we take something off your plate to make your life easier while you deal with these things at home? You have to have those conversations. So in my, it's like a cake. It's like a cake share. You start off by actually knowing what your team is responsible for. What are the metrics? How are they measured? What are the goals? Then you layer on top of that but one-on-ones that are for building connection, trust, empathy, an actual relationship with the people that are in your managerial sphere so that you can have those direct conversations so that you can have those questions. You can ask those questions around, Hey, why have you been missing deadlines? Or, Hey, why is this difficult for you now? It didn't used to be, or, Hey, I've noticed that you're not hitting goals. What's going on? Or I've noticed that you're always off, off, off camera now on zoom. Is everything okay? You can ask the, is everything okay? And your team will now feel comfortable to actually talk to you about the things that are going on because you have that relationship. And then on top of that, you actually layer the, okay, if you are having problems and it's not anything that's going on at home and it's not anything that's occurring externally, let's actually use a performance improvement plan for what it's meant to be, which is not, by the way, a way to exit somebody. I've seen it weaponized in many ways, in many many times in that way but it is actually meant to shockingly do what its name says, which is improve a performance. And then you can actually do that and say, okay, so let's put you on a performance improvement plan that will outline what you need to do to get you to a certain level. And then you can actually then outline the consequences if somebody doesn't is okay. So we're going to do this. Do you agree that that you work on it together? This is something that we're going to do. Can you hit that? Because at that point, if after all of that, the particular individual is still not able to fulfill the roles, they will not be surprised if termination and exit is the eventual outcome because they will have been informed the whole way through via the expectations that were set at the beginning, the trust building and the conversations that were had in the middle and the performance improvement plan that was had at the end, that this was a very distinct possibility. These are not hard steps, Sherry. Like in my mind, these, these are difficult steps in terms of actually having these conversations. Nobody likes to deliver bad news but they are easy things to implement from a procedural standpoint to ensure that people are just informed. And that's all, that is a kindness. That is actually a kindness, telling people that they are not performing well and asking them how you can help them or how they can improve. That is being human. That is being kind. That's not you being mean, but I mean, that's it. To me, that's, it's the three steps. It's just the three steps, expectations, communication, and then plans to improve if necessary. I don't think that's hard. You know, I like that you touched base on building that relationship and how you can leverage that in, in the future. And, and I'll share a, share a story about my own um, relationship with my supervisor. So um, we've both been at the company about five years. We started a couple weeks apart from each other. And um, it isn't until the last couple of years or so that I've reported to her. We've been peers most of our, most of our career at, at the company. And we have such a good relationship that she knows when she sees typos in any sort of communication that I'm putting out, she will ping me and say, Hey, are you good? Like, what's going on? Like, I only see this when I know you're stressed. You're not asking for help. You have too much on your plate. So it's not a conversation about performance, right? Mm -hmm. It's a conversation about like, Hey, 
I'm seeing something that could be a performance concern, but I know you well enough and we've built a relationship enough that I know what's really happening is you probably have too much on your plate and you're not asking for help. So how can I help? How can I block and tackle for you? Um, a lot of, a lot of managers and, and employees don't have that kind of relationship. And I loved your, your layer analogy. You know, I, I was recently talking with somebody who has two other things that they add to their list when they have somebody come in, coming new in the door. And I really liked it. One of them was, how do you like to be communicated with? Love yes. that, right? Some people like need video, some people email, some people it's text, some people it's phone call. Like what is your favorite kind of communication method? And then the second one was, which this is a new one. I haven't heard this one you know, recently, how do you like to collaborate? Which I was like, man, that can tell you so much about how you set up your team. You know, if you have somebody who's like, you know what, I am a thinker and I really like being in team meetings, but for me to collaborate well, I need an agenda in advance. You might not know that unless you're really specific about asking that question. So, um, definitely add those to your, to your list of questions. Um, this has been a great conversation so far. I have one kind of last question to ask you. You sure. spend a lot of time on social media trying to redefine what success looks like in many areas. And I, I got a kick out of it. You posted something the other day where you had a tank top on. You've got, you know, beautiful purple hair and tattoos. And you were like, this is what professional looks like. And I absolutely love that because I think there is this idea that success looks like X. Professional mm -hmm. looks like X. Um, and it's so much more than that. So I'm curious, why is it so important for you personally to kind of help define what success looks like, but not just for yourself, but really largely for this growth of a more human centric approach to talent in general? Oh man, that is a big, do we have five more hours? <laughs> um, so why is it so important for me to define that or for me to, to buck that trend and be visible? I think the thing that immediately comes to mind is every time that I make, because it's not the first time and it really won't be the last time that I post something like that. Every time that I do that, I get multiple, multiple, many messages, uh, typically privately from people who say, I was so glad to see somebody else that looks like me. I was so glad. And, or I'll get something else that says, and now this is almost like an underhanded weirdo compliment, but I'll still take it. They go, I had no idea that people who look like you could be successful in a corporate environment. And that's interesting. Like that is for sure an interesting thing to say. And, but what I am taking from that is number one, people who look like me, yes, we exist. Number two, personal appearance has zero correlation to work ethic, intelligence, ability, professionalism, or measures of success. Now, my hair color, I mean, unless I really leave my dye on for a long time, maybe it'll affect my brain function. But purple hair does not affect my ability to think appropriately. Tattoos don't affect my ability to provide business outcomes. Piercings have zero correlation to my ability to show professionally and lead a team. None of these things have any correlation whatsoever to my ability to deliver a business outcome and be professional in a work environment. Nothing. Professional is what my brain does and what comes out of my mouth. That's it. That's it. It doesn't matter. If I wear sweatpants, I don't actually get dumber, shockingly. 
if I wear a hoodie, I don't automatically become less credible. Not unless you, not unless you have bias and you believe it does. Professionalism has zero to do with appearance. And that is something that I am extremely keen to mention because especially in a post-COVID, gosh, we're not post-COVID, in a, in a COVID sort of kind of post-pandemic world, we have now entered a space where people work from home. We live and we work from home and we're going to be comfortable. We're going to be comfortable and comfort might look different to a lot of different people. Like some people might actually feel comfortable in a suit. If you are listening and you're one of those people, I commend you. I've never been able to feel comfortable in a suit, but you might. Some people feel most comfortable in sweatpants. Do you know what does not affect business outcomes, whether you're wearing a tie or a tank top? It does not. And not enough people are saying that. And there are so many ingrained preconceptions, preconceived notions and arbitrary notions of what actually makes somebody successful and professional. And it is ultimately rooted in number one, the patriarchy, but number two, classism. And those are concepts that are absolutely not relevant to somebody's ability to perform. My ability to perform is directly related to my brain and what comes out of my mouth through my thoughts. Whether I'm wearing a hoodie, whether I have purple hair, whether I have tattoos, whether I have piercings does not affect that. And not enough people are saying that and not enough people in positions of influence, like I am very lucky and privileged to find myself to be, are saying that. And every time that I am that I make myself visible, I break down that stigma. I break down that stereotype just a little bit at a time. And I am glad to use myself as a chisel and hammer for that purpose, because more people should be given more opportunities based on what they can perform and not how they appear. I love that you gave the example of suit or tank top. And, and this is why. So, you know, obviously the company I work for is a tech company. And so, um, hoodies are, are a regular occurrence for us. Um, suits are not though. And so I had an employee, this was several years ago now who felt most comfortable coming in, in a suit and tie every day. And I remember hearing chatter about it, like, oh, this person's stuck up or this person, you know, doesn't fit with our culture or that whatever the narrative was. And it was interesting to kind of see the opposite of like, oh, hey, they don't wear a hoodie and somehow they are less. And, you know, there are some really good things that have come out of the pandemic. And I think this idea of expanding how we think about inclusivity and totality is one of them. Because like you said, what I show up to on my Zoom every day doesn't affect what I can deliver. And there have been plenty of times during COVID where I've jumped on a Zoom post-workout, still in the tank top, sweaty, like, hey, I, can, I have time for you right now, but like, I didn't get to go shower first. So like, if you're cool, we're cool. Like, we're just going to have the conversation, you know, and um, I, I'm just excited what the future holds in this space. And, and I appreciate you um, getting on the soapbox a little bit for me on that one. You know, I, it's, it's one of my passions. It's, it very much is it's professionalism has nothing to do with how you can deliver. Like I, I would ask you, Sherry, was the fact that your hair was probably up in a ponytail and your face was a little bit still sweaty. Did that affect your ability to actually have an intelligent conversation? No. Incredibly, you were able to perform as expected and probably well above what was expected. And so it has absolutely nothing to do whether my kids are running in the background or my dogs are barking, or I am wearing tennis shoes or no shoes at all, I am still able to show up and perform. I will say this, 
I will say this because it's interesting. This is the one comment that typically comes up every time I post about this. People go, oh my God, but make sure that you're wearing goggles if you are, if you, if you could get something in your eyes and make sure that you're wearing clothes to shoes in a construction site. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I am not advocating that folks go in and literally risk their safety on behalf of, I want to wear my flip-flops. No, no. What I am saying is in most environments, required safety gear is not a thing. So if you have required safety gear, please, please, for the love of all that is holy, wear your required safety gear. But if what you are doing is a what a thought worker, right? It's somebody who uses their brain, like the thoughts of that is the, that is their product that they have. It's not a hammer and nails. It's not something that requires goggles. You're not in a lab. You're literally producing thoughts and then saying them out loud. You do not need to wear whatever does not make you feel comfortable. And if there are expectations that you do in order to be quote unquote professional, that is bias. That is not actually based in reality. That is perceived bias based on what you have been told. And so you are, you are valuable regardless of what you wear. You are able to be a contributing member of your team regardless of what you wear. And I will continue, I will, oh man, drag me off the soapbox, Sherry, because I will continue. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think the future is ripe for some really cool things when it comes to how the word professionalism is being used. So, Anne, mm -hmm. thanks so much for your insight and your willingness to share, you know, frankly, a terrible experience you went through, but I, I wanted our audience to hear it because you are uh, one in a sea of many who've experienced things like that. And, you know, as HR and how we support managers, we can do better in coaching them to have better performance conversations. So thanks for taking a few minutes of your day. Of course, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. This podcast is brought to you by Paylocity, a leading HCM provider that frees you from the tasks of today so you can focus more on the promise of tomorrow. If you'd like to submit a topic or appear as a guest on a future episode, email us at pctytalks at paylocity.com.